was talking to Faith the other day because she's often my go-to for like talking about fucking dumbass movies only I've seen. And uh, friend of the show, Faith. Friend of the show, Faith. Enemy of the show. Well, there was a um. She knows what she did. A Facebook memory that came up on my feed, and it was a screenshot. I guess I don't know. It's old, and it was like 2009, I think. And I think it was maybe my Netflix watch history or something. It was a list of movies with like ratings and shit. And the post was like I had made something about how like my future boyfriend was like the top <laughs> rated rom com on some list, mm-hmm. and I don't I guess based on like user ratings, and I was like, wow, it's like it was a, it was like literally like that, and it was like Roman Holiday was above it, and I was like, what the fuck? You like know what a two. what a double feature those two. I know. I feel like a lot of times on this show we wander into talking about memory. Yeah, well, we're old now. Yeah. It's the age. We're ancient crones. It's the time when we forget things and we remember them. It's beginning. It's only going to get worse from here. I mean, what a movie to be feeling old on because it's going to be a bunch of adults criticizing about these obnoxious kids. Smile at me all day. Have you ever seen the... I was beautiful then. The Hugh Laurie song? Remember the Hugh Laurie one? It's from Fry and Laurie. I think so. Where he's on a piano and he, he speaks in like this weird nasally voice. And he, it's like anything that rhymes with like history and memory and he like runs out of words at one point <laughs> and he just says, Estuary! <laughs> I live by an estuary! You guys ever seen their um their Broody and Worcester? I've never seen that. I've seen bits of it. I've never seen a full. Episode. Same. I've seen bits of it, but never a full episode. They seem like the perfect. They do embodiment of those Don't characters. They? It's weird. Like it's weird how like these two guys found each other <laughs> yeah. not as this. You know, like yeah, they were then, already friends. And right. Like, like, later on, someone's like, "Hey, wait a minute. Hold on." <laughs> <laughs> about what they liked, what they didn't like, and how they would fix it. I am your host for this episode, Brendan, treacherous, sadistic little hussy, Drishler. I'm Chris, Teflon slacker, Ravel. And I'm Lee. It's so visual, Delahanty. It is so visual. Lee, so visual. And so Thank visual. You. Rather good. And the rather user visuals good. in this film are rather good. good. <laughs> Some might say this movie was rather visual. I think that's what I would say in my I, critical I, would, review of this movie. This it was, was definitely visual. Very visual. Yeah. There, there were images. Mm-hmm. The movie that we were referring to, of course, is 2011's The Art of Getting By. It's the only visual movie I've ever seen. I think so, too. It was directed and written by Gavin Weisson, I guess is his name, starring Freddie Highmore, Emma Roberts, Michael Angarano, Rita Wilson, Blair Underwood. Like, there's just a bunch of adults in there. Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone's there for, like, three scenes. Sam Robards, Blair Underwood, you know. Like, dependable actors. Right. And a bunch of babies. Yeah. Who are all just barely getting by. Interesting note, it premiered at Sundance under the name Homework, where it was also rated R. This is PG-13. I wonder what they trimmed. Oh, me too. Yeah. So much so that they would have changed the title. No, apparently I looked into that. Apparently they changed the title 
Because, and this feels like a very, like, movie executive logic sort of thing. They were like, kids don't like homework. How are we going to convince them to see a movie called Homework if it's called Homework? I mean, got to change that name. Where's the lie? It's true. (laughs) It is true. We do hate homework. I mean, weirdly enough, we stopped giving homework, like, this year. Really? In middle school, yeah. Wow. Because the ideas were just trying to design everything that it's just done at school. I mean, that's great. The only time you would have homework is if you didn't finish your classwork. Wow. Um, But now the kids are like... Oh, but no, but now that means we have to like work now. So like, uh, it's it's unreal. Like, do you not see this gift? How are these kids gonna get by? I, we'll find out. I guess. Do you think one of them will have to complete a year's worth of assignments in three weeks? In three weeks? Let's yeah. find out. I hope so. Sounds like a great plot Check for a movie. With me at the end of the season, a subplot for a movie that doesn't really matter. Anyway, so as is our want, of course, of course, we made a drink for this one, and our special little gimmick. Because every now and then we like to do drinks with a special little gimmick. Our special little gimmick is that we were not going to prepare anything in advance, and we were just kind of wing it at the last minute before we started watching the movie. So uh, we brought a couple of mixers. We looked at the alcohol we had lying around. And what we came up with was the art of getting drunk. And it's basically one part Prosecco, one part cranberry cocktail, one part lemonade. Now, for the lemonade, we used two different kinds. We used elderflower and rose lemonade. We threw it on a pitcher with some ice, and we topped it with some cardamom bitters, and then we drank it up. Sip, sip, sip. It was it was good. It was pretty it was sweet. Good. It was pretty sweet. It could have been a little less sweet, but like, what are you yeah, gonna do? You yeah, know? like maybe maybe I could have thrown in some club soda, I guess, too, on top yeah. of it. But whatever. I don't think we really thought about proportion. We just dumped things. in. No, we yeah. should, I think the the one part thing is more or less what it turned out to be because it was like two little bottles of prosecco, two little bottles of lemonade, yeah. and then I tried to just eyeball the same amount of cranberry cocktail. It's got pretty colors. It's yeah, it's a very like light pinky, sort of transparenty red kind of thing. There's a half full glass of it here. I guess I'd say half empty because I'm a real George Sinovoy. It's, it's, I would say, a much more lively drink than this movie is. Yeah. It is. It was, it was good. I mean, we were, our initial hope was to, was to do like sort of a brunch thing, which kind of fell apart a little bit when our brunch joint uh, was closed due to water yeah. damage. So yeah. it, 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 the theme didn't quite take all the way, but I think the drink oh. turned out pretty okay. Oh, I got brunch. Yeah, Lee got brunch. I should have fucking got I just love that this too. stands in like reddish pinkish opposition to the blueness of the movie. It's a very watched. blue movie. Dabadi, dabadai. It was green of a dime. That's not the lyric and you know it. All right, so <laughs> now that we've gotten all that business out of the way, we better start talking about what this movie's plot is. Chris, would you read the Wikipedia synopsis for The I, Art of Getting By? I sure will. Or Lee, wait, who was going to read it? it was you, Me, right? yeah. He's got it. All right. The Art of Reading the... The Art of Getting By. Yeah, The Art of Reading the Art of Getting By. That's my thesis paper. George, Freddie Highmore, is a loner high school student with a penchant for drawing and skipping class. He has a nihilistic view of the world, which is why he never does homework and skips school frequently. His academic delinquency puts him on academic probation. One day, while on the school roof, he encounters another classmate, Sally, Emma Roberts, smoking. When a teacher appears, George pulls out a cigarette and takes the fall for Sally. They become friends. On career day, George meets young artist Dustin, Michael, Michael Agar, Agarano? I think it's Angarano. Angarano. Finding him inspiring, he brings Sally with him to visit D- Dustin in his studio in Brooklyn, and it becomes apparent that Dustin finds Sally attractive. She invites George to a New Year's Eve party where she dances with an ex-boyfriend, and George gets drunk, goes outside, throws up, and falls asleep in an alley. <laughs> Finding him there, she takes... Does he fall asleep in the alley? He slumps over, okay. and then the next shot is her walking over to him. Okay, I thought. I guess I just assumed he just sort of like was chilling there. Okay, fair enough. 
Um, finding him there, she takes him to her place, putting him on a pull-out bed next to her bed. They grow close, and George gets more involved in school. On Valentine's Day, they go out to dinner, and Sally starts asking questions about what he thinks of her. George is evasive, and she asks him if he'll have sex with her. George freezes. Sally backtracks and claims she was kidding. He remains withdrawn and leaves early. He refuses to take Sally's calls and avoids her. One day, Sally runs into Dustin in the street after a while... The two of them start a relationship. George, troubled by this, stops doing homework and is again sent to the principal's Blair office. Wow, this is written weirdly. And is again sent to the principal's Blair Underwood office. Okay. So Blair Underwood plays the principal's office? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Interesting. Interesting work. The principal gives George... Remember how in Walter Mitty, in the early version of that script, there was a scene where they were cubicles or something? Do you remember that? Yeah. I bet yeah, it was they, like they that. Turned yeah, into, like, office the yeah I bet that's what Blair Underwood was doing in this movie. The principal gives George two choices. Be expelled or make up all of the work he has missed all year. Confronted by his mother and stepfather, Rita Wilson and Sam Robards... At home, he responds by telling his mother that his stepfather has been lying about work. The stepfather attacks him, and George knocks him down before taking off. He goes to Sally's and, in the hallway, kisses her. Sally kisses back, but breaks away as Dustin is in her apartment. Angry and hurt, George leaves. The next morning, George finds his mother in the park, and she tells him she's divorcing his stepfather. Consoling her, he begins to rethink his life. He decides to make the effort to do his assignments. His art teacher tells him he wants only one project, but it must be honest and real. George works on his back work and takes his final exams. Meanwhile, Sally continues seeing Dustin. One day, George gets a message from Sally. They meet, and she tells him she's going backpacking with Dustin through Europe and skipping graduation. He tells her he's in love with her, and they go back to her apartment where they kiss. She tells him she loves him, too, and promises they'll be together one day. George turns in all of his assignments, and the principal tells him he'll know he'll get passed if his name is called at graduation. George's art teacher applauds him on his project. At graduation, George is with Sally's friends with his mother in the audience. Sally is at the airport with Dustin. George's name is called and his mother applauds. Afterwards, George is in the art classroom looking at his art project, The Portrait of Sally. She walks in, joining him, looking at the painting as the film closes. Ah. And that is the art of getting by. That is the art of getting by. Chris, you did a very good job getting by. Thank you. I was really just trying to get by and get through. Yeah, you know? I'm glad you did that all in three weeks before graduation. Chris... <laughs> I was surprised. What? You did it. You graduated. Oh, they're going to say my name at graduation. Chris Ravel. Yay! You're the last person to be called because your name is George Zinavoy. Almost surely a surname that they came across because they wanted to be the last kid mentioned. They had to work backwards of from Of course. There. Well done, Gavin Weissen, or whoever the fuck you are. All right. So the art of getting by. Lee, you were the one who I think suggested we do this because we kind of vaguely had said that we yeah. like to do school movies for September because it's back to school time. We're all thinking about it. Sure Everyone is. is. Yeah. If you're not, you're lying. Um, so this was a movie that you and I had seen. I don't know why we saw this. Like, was it just because we like we thought like Freddie Highmore? I wanted to see it. I wanted to see Freddie Highmore, like the, the American sweet kid. little kid from Charlie and the yeah. Chocolate Factory, all grown up and playing all a, stretched a sour out. teenager. Did, yeah. you, did sour you see this teenager? in theaters? No. no. We rented it probably. Yeah. Yeah. We found it on the street. One way. <laughs> <laughs> fell off a truck. 
The t- yeah. It fell off the movie truck. <laughs> a truck carrying boxes of DVDs full of the artists getting by drove by the apartment one day. They just fell off on our porch. And we're like, um, perfect. Great. We'd want to watch this anyway. Um, I remembered so little about this movie. I know when you had said we should do this for podcast, I remembered so fucking little about this movie. And all you had told me is like, you hated it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds right. I probably did really hate this movie. Yeah. Watching it again, I remember why I fucking hated this movie so much. And why is Spoiler it? alert, I hated this movie. And why? Because it's a bad movie, Chris. It's terrible. It's a bad movie full of unlikable characters. This is just one of those things where, like, teen angst is such a difficult selling point. for. I think even when I was an angsty teen, and, like, I was an angsty teen, we're all hormonal post-pubescent angsty teens. Like, that's that's just a fact of life. That's how you are. I get it. I think even when I was one of those, I was very selective about, like, the other angsty teen media I wanted to right. consume, right? Because you didn't want to be pandered to... Right. Yeah. And well, it's... yeah. Ahead, I think I could... I think, like, having watched this with fresh eyes, I think I, I've pretty succinctly identified what I think the source of the problems of this movie are. Yeah. And I don't know... What a good word for this is, but the, uh, I mean this in terms of opposite of introspective. It's a very outrospective <laughs> look at depression and mental yeah. health. It's a very like surface right, level, no, very shallow. Like, eh, kids depressed. I guess that's just something I just gotta deal with. Right. Guess, yeah, it's, it's also it. just like it's like the loosest collection of cliches strung into a plot. You know, yeah. it's like there's nothing original really happening here in terms of who the characters are, in terms of what the plot is. It's just sort of like hackneyed aspect of a teen angst book or movie thrown on screen. There was almost something 90s about how it treated like mental health and medicine. Like I almost feel like the scene of him being very edgy going like, yeah, Zoloft, Wellbutrin, yeah, you know, like, listing, listing off all of these medicines, just like, oh, we None get it. None of them worked. I'm just too depressed, well, baby. Like, yeah. Therapy? Yeah, maybe. I tried it. No <laughs> one around it. him recognizes or cares or understands or does the right thing right. with like his clearly like bad mental health issues. I mean, the thing that I do find is that his mom seems like... His mom, first of all, like, deserves a medal for being, like, the most tolerant, understanding mom in cinema history. When you first see her, he comes back and she says something about how, like, the school called her and said that he might have to be on academic probation. And her response is just, like, what can I do? Can I get you a tutor? Do you, like, you know, is there something I can do to help you? He's like, no. No, Mom. Very sad. Very sad boy Mm -hmm. I am. She's bending over backwards to accommodate you in every possible. And I agree that, like, she doesn't at any point, you know, should you be speaking to a therapist? Like, is this time to try medicine again or something like that? Something I thought was funny that I feel like the, the, the Wikipedia review did not really make that clear was how, like, lost in, like, money troubles oh, yeah. and job troubles that's, that that's the mom was. important to mention, I think, real quick. So the mom has some sort of job, I guess. I don't really know what it is, but she must have she a job. She business, because she had to mortgage it. That's right, that's right, you're she, right. She does have a business. business. Woman, okay? Yeah, she, she does, does, she does the business, business, and she does it well. Um... Basically, his stepdad, her second husband, lost his job at some point prior to all of this and mm-hmm. has been, like, kind of pretending to go to work for a while, but just but sits in the diner. But only to Highmore. Yeah. But also, presumably, he's not bringing home any money. Right. So, so that's what Rita I'm, Wilson That's what I'm confused on. about. Like, how long did Rita Wilson know that this was going on? Anyway, it doesn't matter, really, but because that's, like, that's what happened. But she also mentions later on that she's going to have to sell the apartment that they live in because her credit rating was like destroyed yeah. because he convinced her to remortgage the apartment or something. Yeah. First of all, that's a big thing for the synopsis to not mention because I think it really sort of informs you about her character and also yeah. just, I get that you're an angsty little shit, Charlie Bucket, but like there are other people who have it way worse than you do right now. I think it also, it kind of, I found it gave them the 
it gave it a more grounded context than I was expecting. Like, mm-hmm. it then sort of made sense, like, oh, that's why his mom's not fully engaged with him and what's going on with him, because she has so much else going on. I mean, And I yeah. guess the stepdad is just a dick. I get, well, it's because it's weird, because then at the end, the two of them are having that conversation in the apartment where she says, like, you know your stepdad loved you. He loved you like a son. I was like, did, did he? he? <laughs> like, he seemed to tolerate him like Barely. a stepson. Barely. Um, so I, I guess maybe, it's also weird that her mo- that the mom would, like, go out of her way to be like, you know what? He was a good man. Right. I realized that he attacked you and you <laughs> broke his collarbone, but you know what? Good guy deep good down. Guy. Like, I, <laughs> and then he asks her, like, so do you know where he is right now? She's like, uh, no idea. I thought that, like, the fight between him and the stepdad was weird. Like, that felt like a heightening that felt out of place for the movie. And it also just felt sort of like, I don't know, like, no one seemed to recognize, wow, an adult literally attacked a kid. Well, yeah. she does say that after. Yeah, I mean, this. All in all, it's like a, his sort of role in the movie isn't really well covered because, like, he's. I kind of get the anger from, from like, a stepdad who doesn't seem to have much of a relationship with getting, like, really involved with this, like, family discussion about his situation. Being mm-hmm. like, oh, you got to yourself a new mess. Like, I, you know, if I was that kid, I would be like, you're not a part of this. Like, yeah, yeah. you're not, I'm not here to talk about this with you. I can talk about my mom, who's been raising me. Right. I also get, though, to a point that, like your stepson's a little vindictive shit and yeah. is bringing up the fact that like you're a complete failure while you're trying to like you're, you're trying to yeah, sort out his problems like, and then he's just like well you know what you're a fucking failure too stepdad but uh, yeah but there's, again the thing is that it's just because we don't really get a, a solid sense of their dynamic or right. how involved he is like I don't really know I don't really know whose side I should be on because right. also like, no, I, I don't really know like how long the, the lie has been going yeah. on with him and the wife like is this guy a scumbag it, was he a well-meaning guy who made bad choices I don't know right and then you're only informed by that because the mom says later on like oh he loved you so much and then even where they first meet up after the fight she's the one being like like no it was terrible like he's your stepfather he's supposed to protect you and he attacked you and Freddie Highmore's like yeah well I like provoked him like I'm an obnoxious little shit and I made him angry it's like you're both you're both making great points right, here right now like I I, I I can see both sides of this I argument. S- I still feel, though, that uh, him being an obnoxious shit as much as he wants, the adult still should not have. No, of course. I'm not saying that, that, that like, the, he, he, he had to come in. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody's going to slap around Charlie Bucket. Not to say that none of us didn't feel like kind of punching him in yeah, the Yeah, no, we all felt like punching him at some point. Of course we did. <laughs> If I can, so just to sort of go off this, I've got a couple of topics here as we do. Sure. The first one, I don't know how much we want to go into it, but I'd written down insufferable angsty little weasels in cinema, in teen <laughs> angst movies that we like. Yeah. So just to sort of speak in a broad sense, this was something we kind of talked about um, amongst ourselves prior to watching this again for the second time. Um, but just, I was trying to think of like, are there teen angst movies that I like or are all the teen movies that I like just comedies? And I feel like the closest... Chris had said Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah, which I we think all is, kind of said yeah, that. Which, which I think is definitely accurate, although I think Perks of Being a Wallflower has more sort of, like, levity and joy to it. I right. don't... Yeah, I don't I don't think that the kid in Perks is is insufferable. No, I don't no, either. I don't and either. I think that's one of the reasons why I do like it. Because it's also, like, this kid does have mental issues, and the movie acknowledges that it has mental issues, and it sort of tries to explain, like, why he has them, where it came from, and what's being done to assist him with them after the fact. So it's not, just, it's not just sort of, like, at the other, like, I don't know, I guess you're depressed or like, something. Kid, guess your aunt sexually molested you, and I guess this is just the way things are from now on. <laughs> but Try like, and live your life. In this one, though, it's just sort of like it's just, I guess, depression generally. Yeah, speaking. right. Like vague lowercase d depression. And it I makes guess. him too cool for the system. He's man. so fucking cool. I can't he's, get over it. Do you see that coat? 
He's like the threw it on the ground guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not a part of your system. Yeah, I know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, God. He's wearing the thing, he goes to the party, and they're all like, hey, what's with the coat? And he's like, I like layers. So fucking cool. Oh man. my God. And I can't get see over there's it. layers but to everyone, that statement. Yeah. We do this yeah. with everything, because there's that when the, the uh, art guy, Dustin, shows up to think for the first time, and he's like, well, I got the call, and I was a bit hungover. That's right. Like, wow, he's so cool. Like, man, he was drinking. Oh he was God, drinking. He's so cool. He's telling all the high schoolers about how he was hungover. Yeah. Right oh, oh, man, which, that would be so fucking cool if someone went to high school and told me how they were drinking. Yeah. Which, from what I can tell, these high schoolers would have been like yeah man same because <laughs> yeah, everyone's time. bars and getting That's served right. every time they go to a restaurant yeah. everyone provides them with alcohol yeah. nobody is checking idea yeah, no, they're getting fun. wine That's at New dinner York, baby. they're getting cocktails at a club right. that one scene where um, uh, that's uh, where they were talking about uh, the fucking comps somehow this high school kid got comps at a club oh yeah oh I bet that's his okay you're right and then, like, I got it Emma Roberts is already at a bar with a beer when, My- when Michael Aragano shows up and I'm just Still like not what Angarano Angarano Michael Oregano. Michael Origami. Origami yes. or yes. Oregano. Michael Oregano. Yes. Yeah, there, there, there's some there's some questionable it's, choices being made by the liquor serving establishments of New York City. This is not to say that this never happens, and like there's definitely you know, like of course like there are like, there are bars this. where you can go to or places you can go to where like they're very lax about carding. Or like I think about movies that have maybe done this well or more believably, which was like I think about like Bling Ring, which had a lot of that of like underage people going to clubs and getting hammered. But that they seem to be like conscious of what they're saying whereas yeah. this movie just seems to be like well you we're, just, we're, we're treating them like adults right, yeah, right? You, oh, we wandered into a bar let's get some drinks right. like who's gonna stop us it's it, it's weird how much they like map adult activity onto these teens yeah yeah, yeah. and then like they, of course they make Emma Roberts 18 so that it's technically legal Michael Angarano looked up the laws in New York. Yeah. It was like, great, this is good. Nonchalantly asked her how old she how was. How old she was, did some quick Googling, well, was like, great. I think, and like Lee said, there's just no way an older man can ask a girl that not No, you not can't. You just don't do it. It's gross. Aside from that, though, age aside, he did, the, he did like, extensively check, like, with uh, uh, your boy, Freddie Highmore. Yeah, like, hey, no. by the way, are you gonna date right, her? No. He hey, says, do you like her? Right, he says, like, right when they first meet, he's like, good job with her. Are you two together? And he's like, ooh. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty high more. No, like, okay. Yeah, yeah, you sh- you should me. date her. Yeah, he's like that. Yeah. He like outright says like, why don't the two of you get together? Yeah. And Emma's like, no, nah, nah, I don't think we'll be doing that. And he's like, okay. Okay, well then there's the gonna, opening. I'm gonna do it. Right, I'm, I'm gonna make my move. You're still 18, right? So wait, show me that birth certificate. Was I misinterpreting this, or were you leading into asking us about other insufferable angsty? I was just curious about like just in general, yeah, other insufferable angsty teens, other teen angst style movies. And again, I was saying with like Perks, I think there are reasons that it works better. Obviously, the ones we stated that Charlie is a more interesting protagonist than the protagonist of this movie. I think his friends are more 2.5 to 3-dimensional than the friends in this movie. Well, the friends in Perks are great. Yeah, yeah they are. They're, they're the, awesome. Perks is, like, truly, I think, one of the most accurate reflections of, like, what high school felt yeah. like to but me. Yeah, he's nice yeah. to but he's not insufferable. He's just right. got issues. Right, and it's like, he can still, like, feel joy and, like, yeah. be right. fun to be... And, like, you and get he's, why... He's trying. Right. He's actually yeah. trying. And you get why people would be friends with him, right? Yeah. Whereas this one, like, why the fuck do any of you want I, to be around Freddie Highmore? I think it got... It was bad enough that you said you were preferring Naomi and Eli. I do, honestly, because, like, I just feel like at least I would go places that were in, like, well, have, like, quote-unquote, yeah. fun with Going them. to a piano bar. Right, like, they probably still have to, like, there are the plants Naomi. and you're the moon that revolves around them. But, like, still, at least you'd do something fun. They wouldn't just be sitting there fucking moping. But I gotta... I don't really think that they're, like, angsty. Like, they have some angst, but they don't... They're not, like... Neither of... They're, like, vivacious, like... Yeah, that's true. They're pretentious, and they're like, oh, we are so 
smart in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we don't go above Fifty Second Street or wherever the fuck it is. Yeah. We're so cool. They would have yeah. been friends with Aoni Sky. Um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, but, yes. Um, and Dash and Lily, but Dash and Lily are the are the, 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 the peak. Yeah. The peak. <laughs> the peak of what is tolerable before it reaches some for whimsical right. teens. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I was going to bring up Dash and Lily because I also think that's one where there is teen angst as a central part of the plot. But it's pulled off really well. Right. I mean, I was also thinking akin to that because it's the same authors was Nick and Nord's Infinite Playlist, mm-hmm, where it's yeah. like, you know, you're dealing with all of, like the emotional struggles that come with being a teenager in a high school or like, you know, like romance and who's who am I into? Who right. Into me, blah, blah, blah. Well, they also wrote Naomi and Eli, right? Right. Yeah. But it's but, like, it's, but it's they, fun. It's like, this. yeah, it's, it's entertaining. You meet colorful characters. Like, it, it's not just... 90 fucking minutes of people moping about like not wanting to yeah. commit or being depressed by life or everyone's going to die or all that shit you know like there has to be a reason why I'm interested in Freddie Highmore right. for me to get on board with this you don't have to be like a good person to be an interesting protagonist no. you just have to be interesting in some way but the movie just but seems why to be why would like... I care about this kid right well and the movie also seems to view his depression as like the thing that makes him cool which ooh he's so detached he doesn't he's not about well anything. right I mean it's like does his depression inform who he is as a person was like is that mm. why he always wears a coat and watches French movies I think and so. reads Camus during the school day which by the way also felt <laughs> very hacky very of stereotypical course. of like oh he's sad and artistic Wait, so have we, have we brought sorry I just yeah. want to interrupt because we were talking about the other teens so uh, have we not mentioned Charlie Bartlett yet because I think uh, that I would also hate Charlie Bartlett uh, sorry that's IRL fair. you mean like if you met him IRL you I don't think I would that fond of him in the movie as well I mean I think I need that, to see it's been a long time since I've seen Charlie Bartlett so I have to see he sort of is again. like even more reprehensible I think if Freddie Highmore's crime in this movie is, is like not being interesting not making not, no not being interesting his character's crime is like not trying like just not making an effort to like meet people halfway or like or like see that he has a problem and actually work to fix it just sort of throw it off as like eh whatever right and then Charlie Barlow takes it a step further and is like they're telling me that I have issues. I'm going to ignore that, and I'm actually going to sell my drugs to other people yeah. Yeah. and make money off of it because I've, that's fun for me. Right. And it's like it's just like wow, like again, so cool. True, He's, but, but I guess isn't that also sort of like a heightened world, Charlie Bartlett? A little bit. It's a little heightened, but I think you're still supposed to like uh, take I don't it know, seriously, relate to or sympathize with this kid. And I'm just like, man, I, <laughs> I, I would need to see Charlie Bartlett again. It's yeah. been years since I saw that movie. So Maybe I the style helps it go down a little. Yeah, I, 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 my recollection is that Charlie Bartlett's a little bit more, I, like, like manic or quick-paced than this mm. movie is. Like, this yeah. movie is a lot of mopey shots of Freddie Highmore wandering through the streets of New York City or Central Park looking sad, wearing a yeah. coat, everything's blue, blah, I mean, blah, blah. For sure more happens, but it, it all, it's a bit, it gets pretty dark, too. It, it does. I, I like do... Suicide attempts. Right, I, I do recall that. Yeah. Um, Was it as blue as this movie? No. No. Nothing's <laughs> as blue as this movie. It's ups and downs. Yeah. It's more, it, yeah, it's, manic is a good word. It has it hits peaks and valleys, whereas this is just a, a flat line. This is just, yeah, no, this truly is just like... Yeah. <laughs> pulse no barely, pulse. barely yes. present. Yes. I would just also say, like, there's no character arc. There's no... No, I mean, I guess, like... The character doesn't really change or grow. He does put the effort in at the end, but, like... like what but do you does get that the get sense, you, you get the sense is... that he had to change as a character? Well, I mean, that? like, my question is, I guess, like, what changes for him at the end? It changes... He changes because, like, all of his teachers get together in a room with the principal, and we're like, you're an insufferable little shit, you haven't done any work, so we can either expel you or you can do everything that you need to get done within the next three weeks before graduation, and then we'll let you graduate. Why... In that scene, does he decide to sort of like do? I know 
know that he doesn't decide to do it in that moment because like when he leaves he's like well I guess I will be expelled and that's fine and then he goes home and he has the fight with his parents and then decides yeah. to commit but like what changes that makes him do that exactly is it like his know. mom is that the talk with his mom where he realizes that like things are bad with her ergo he has to kind of he finally sees her as a human right yeah that he should commit to it too is he not depressed at the end of the movie then too that's unlike yeah I mean it's again it's a bad it's facile take so it's like yeah. oh he's been fixed by right for the love of a good woman yeah and yeah. homework yeah and homework imagine if I mean I'm sorry I'm kind of splitting into my fix I don't want to Bury the... Or not bury the lead. Give away the lead? Give away yeah, the dig lead. up the lead? I don't want to dig up the lead too early. I don't want to exhume yeah. the lead. Before it's time. But, you know, um, I know what you mean. Like, it is... Because it's so facile and shallow in its approach and its conception of, like, depression, what it is and how it feels and what it looks like, um, they... Of course it's something kind of minor and surface level and external yeah. that fixes it. Like, it doesn't come from personal growth. It doesn't come on working himself. It doesn't come working on himself. It doesn't come on confronting anything about right. himself. Well, I mean, see, the thing is, like, I feel like he does do some of those things, kind of, and that he does the homework that he hasn't done the entire year. He says something to Emma Roberts. He finally has a <laughs> conversation with her where it's not just her being, like, so, like... Hi. Sometime and he's like, oh, I, I like French movies a lot. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's, I like so, French movies. <laughs> so it's the new wave. Did, so, have you heard about French movies? <laughs> Truffaut. He he does something in like again the most surface level facile kind of way. He grows because he does a thing, right? But well, like because it was time to in the right order and like I feel like you would be forgiven for watching this movie and thinking that he is no longer depressed by the end of it right. because he finally did his homework and talked to her. So the thing that I find weird is that in the beginning his depression seems to stem from the fact that I guess he like he kind of doesn't see the point of living, I guess, right. right? Because he mentions how everyone dies alone, all these people before him have died, there's all these, you know, horrible things happening in the world, so what's the point of doing things? Which, like, I get. Great teen take. Get it. Um, yeah, but it's not a very, like, that's like, uh, I don't know, I feel like that's a very, like, surface reading. Right, it's just, like, again, like, how, like, so, again, where there's, is this depression there's coming There's probably from? something personal underneath it that's, like, you know, fueling that. Right. right. Is it coming from, like, his mom's relationship with his stepfather? Is it coming from the fact that his dad lives in China and he never but, sees him? But you know what? No. It's just homework and the love yeah. of a good woman. Right. Yeah. Once you do all the stuff and talk to Emma Roberts, you're going to be okay, once, buddy boy. Once you get your breeding pair set up and... Yep. Go off. <laughs> Go off, king. <laughs> Go off. <laughs> Jerk off, king. Uh, <laughs> oh. Should we get into Carax? Yeah, we can talk into characters. I just wrote, who are all these characters? Uh, nobody is oh, really. I was telling that story yeah. to someone the other day again. The Claudette. The Claudette story. Claudette it's a good story. Who are all these characters? <laughs> Where are all these people coming in? All the Why are they all here? Why are so many people coming and going from your apartment? Oh, <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, uh, all right, so do we start, obviously, with the uh, the keystone of this picture, a little little Freddie Highmore as George Big Freddie Highmore, really. Stretched name? out. Freddie Highmore as no. George Zinovoy. George Zinovoy, that's George right. George Zinovoy. Starts with um, a Z, so he's the last name called at graduation, so you don't know if he's going to make it. I mean, again, yeah. it's just a terrible characterization. No, he is. <laughs> I think, was the reason, was like, part of the reason we watched this just to see like what Freddie Highmore was doing, right? Yeah. Like, basically, like, how, how good of an actor he was. He's, he wasn't uh, he's terrible, child. but it's sort of hard to separate his performance from just how shitty and annoying the character no, is. No, I mean, again, again, like, this is, he's fine. Like, I think Freddie Highmore is a pretty solid actor. Um, I've, I, I haven't seen The Good Doctor. I didn't see... What was it called? It's just called Bates. 
Bates. Okay. Yeah, Bates Motown. Yeah, okay, Bates Motown. Thank you. Yeah, I think he's I a good actor. I didn't watch yeah. that. I, I feel like there are a lot of times where you hear someone describe a character as just like, well, they're not a character. They're like a collection of ticks or traits. Right. This is that. Yeah. This is that collection of but, ticks and traits. Like honestly, I could have used a few more ticks and traits because it felt a little sleepy. Well, I could have used something that just connected in a meaning, like you know, something that explained things in a meaningful right. way. Yeah. And you don't ever get that. You just keep well, finding more about like his little quirks as the movie goes on, like the, the whole rules about skipping school you have to do it infrequently and you have to get noodles and watch french movies like these are the rules for skipping school well, baby like as far as the movie is concerned there is no interiority to depression there's uh, taking medicine won't do anything drawing for you pictures of skulls yeah right right, right. therapy just, won't help you yeah. but drawing pictures of skulls and just watching doodling at all of your textbooks yeah. yeah it makes you better i guess like it's just it's so annoying to me that this movie wants to be like ooh. It's about depression with the youth, but then it has nothing to do with the mind, with emotions, with any of that. Yeah, I, I feel like I think just the fact if he didn't have depression, if it was like any other reason for this, this would be a much easier pill to swallow. I think I, I'm not like clinically depressed. I'm lowercase d depressed mm-hmm. because like you know we've got troubles at home and I don't see my dad mm-hmm. and like. It's my senior year, and it's sort of like, what am I going to do with myself once I'm out of this protective bubble that I've enshrined myself in? (laughs) And so it's just sort of like, and therefore I haven't done anything because I'm just sort of flummoxed by everything that's being thrown at me, and I just don't know what to do anymore. So I just stopped doing anything. But his problem seems so big. No, I'm not even saying dumb. Like, I think... I think again. I well, think it's big, but it feels hollow. Right. Yes. I'm like, saying like there, these are things that you can legitimately be worried about. I think you can be worried about death. Your mom getting a divorce. Right. As well. I mean, you can feel sad about the fact that like the world's on fire all the time anymore. Yeah. And it's just like that's that's fine, but it's just sort of like, but how are we addressing it? Yes, how was, are you addressing it? I just it's hard again. Like it's hard for me to not find his childish worldview on it all to be really obnoxious. It is, and, and I mean, I think that's one of the, the like again a better teen movie is being written by an adult. So I think the adult knows that there are things that teenagers say or do that don't read well for adults watching it. Right. So like if you're a clever enough adult writer, you should be able to give this teenager a worldview that doesn't feel entirely juvenile. It feels juvenile enough that it's plausible that this is coming from the mouth of a teenager, but not so dumb to the point that like any 20 year old in the (laughs) audience is going to be like, oh my God, this fucking little shit. Which like is not what this movie does at all. There was an interview and the director basically said like, yes, this is kind of inspired by parts this feels so much like a person rewriting their, their childhood. childhood yeah on screen like he's so he, fucking cool he wears a jacket he reads he, Camus the so, hot girl is like super into him so deep and mature right right yeah like he fucking knows that life is dumb and there's no point in living it and everyone else is a fucking phony which it's also again just like bargain basement catcher in the rye bullshit. it is going back to Freddie Highmore like he looks like Holden Caulfield I think if yeah. you were casting Holden Caulfield and I think we are all praying for the day that Catcher in the Rye was in the public domain so every fucking angsty filmmaker can just make Catcher in the Rye and not have to do their bargain basement knockoffs of it anymore. Like 50 different versions. Yeah, we that. are, but you know what? I'd rather have 50 Catchers in the Rye than seeing someone try to make a knockoff of it yet again. To his credit, though, it has nothing to do with his acting. He realistically does look like a high school student. No, well, he, again, he was, what, like 19, 19 or something? Yeah. yeah. So he's around that age. I don't, I don't really think, I don't know if acting is a separate thing, but I don't really think there's anything wrong per se with the acting. I think that no. it's just that there's not a lot to There's just with. no character there beyond it so like he's doing his best with what he has yeah what about good old Emma Roberts Emma Roberts says Sally last name forgotten yeah if he's not a character, she's even less of a character. She's like where, a sleepy pixie dream girl. Right. It seems Sleepy yeah. Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah, she is. She's a sleepy baby. 
She is. You know what I mean? She, like, it feels like she should also be depressed, but she's not. Right, no, that's what I'm, like, her life is really fast. Like, the little glimpses of her life are bizarrely fascinating, where we found out that her mom, uh, like, 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 floozy. Right, her mom, like, got, like, had her very young, and her dad's not around, and her mom moved to New York to marry some guy who she got divorced from, and so that's why they have this beautiful condo and a brownstone, and why her mom can afford to do all these things because of, like, the alimony that she's getting from her dad, blah, 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 blah. And we also found out that, like, her mom is kind of a drunk, and her mom's not, like, really much of a mom to her. She acts, like, more like a friend to her. There's a really, really weird-ass part where she kind of sort of seems like she's making a pass at Freddie Highmore, which is very uncomfortable if you want to talk about overage people going after younger people in this movie. Yeah, and, which, and like, Emma Roberts doesn't react. No, and, like, at everyone all. in the movie, like, plays it off as, like, mom's so silly. Like, drunk yeah. mom's a silly. And even Freddie Highmore's like, your mom's great. Like, uh, no, mom, like, mom has some issues here that we have to deal with and so like when you see these little aspects of emma roberts's life i'm kind of like you know like there's your character right there like like how is emma roberts able to hold her shit together so well despite the fact that her mom is like barely there for her barely a mom has dragged her all around the country like what's what 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 allows her to keep together you know and it's sort of one of those things where like in a better movie maybe like emma is the one who can talk to him and be like like look i get it like my life's not fucking great either like i've got problems too like this is what i do to hold my shit together maybe i can try to help you like and i realize that you're getting very close to being like girl fixes boy sure, but, but like there you, you can she, do it it's you not would, impossible you, you would think she would have wisdom to share because her mom is like more like a drinking buddy than a mother yeah. well it seems like yeah they need it seems like emma roberts's character should be fucked up but isn't and that's weird <laughs> like it's just it's odd that her yeah. character ends up being so sort of well adjusted and really yeah normal. and i mean and again but it's still like horrible choices no, she doesn't make That's very true. But it's also just like there's not a lot to her character. Like, I don't know about her, like, interests or who she is as a person because it mostly seems like, especially the one scene I don't particularly like where they're skipping school and it's just kind of like Freddie Highmore is basically like seeing like, now these are these are the things you have to do when you skip school. Like, don't do it often and watch a movie and eat noodles. It feels like it's the sort of thing where, like, he just wants a girl to mold into this mm-hmm. idea of what he thinks a girlfriend should be. Yeah. And Emma's just like, wow, okay, like, let's go do that. Let's go do that the whole, thing. That whole exchange about, like, rule four noodles, noodles, yeah. noodles. And noodles. That seems like, uh, ex- like peak man trying to write t- teens. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like trying to. Oh, that's like that'll be a clever. That's gonna people yeah. gonna find that funny. Yeah, that. where he like, goes like noodles, and Emma's like noodles. What could you possibly mean by noodles? Like, Cut to them I mean, eating fucking, noodles. I mean, fucking noodles. Yeah, like what? Like what, why is this perplexing to you? Noodles. He yeah. says noodles. He probably wants to get noodles. noodles? Yeah. Uh, it's just, what am I supposed to do with noodles? Kittens? Um, yeah, it's just, I guess it's just kind of remarkable that in a world where the main character is so sketchy and ill-defined, the love interest is even less so. Right. She's, she's really just sort of this sounding board, I guess, for him to kind of get his rocks off on and not say anything to for the first two thirds of the movie. Uh, Michael Angarano is Dustin. Um, I don't know, smarmy? Yeah, so I... He does this whole, like, artist bullshit. Well, I remembered remembered his character being more of a skis than I think he is. And I think he is still kind of a skis in this movie. But I do feel like he kind of does his homework and does his due diligence, again, like we said before, making a pass at Emma Roberts. And yeah, it's super sketchy that as soon as he meets her, he's like, but how old are you? Right. So immediately, like, see, like, is this okay? Can I proceed with this? Or will I be arrested? But uh, I, I, I don't know. There, there are times where... 
it sort of feels like you see the there's the one scene of the two of them in the bar where he says something to Emma Roberts like have you heard from Charlie Bucket lately and <laughs> and she's like no I haven't and like it just sort of seems like it's these two people who are more emotionally mature than him and have their shit together more than he does right. and they're kind of it's it sort of feels like it's it's the part where like these two people are kind of realizing that they have a third wheel of a friend who they just cannot help anymore right. and who like they just can't deal with anymore and so maybe we should just move on with our lives without him and our friendship without him. It's sort of fair. It is. And so, like, I, and again, like, there's uh, there are other things that he does, like the scene at the end where whenever um, Freddie Highmore shows up at the apartment and the door opens and he reveals that, like, oh, she's been talking to Michael Angarano and he's been there this whole time, and Michael Angarano fo- follows him outside and says, like, isn't it better that it's me than some douchebag? Which, like, no. Uh, no, like, it's not Angarano. No, it's just like the movie... Should have made him more of an asshole or less of an asshole. Right, no, I agree. It doesn't do very... Like, and I feel like there is a version of that where he... You could still say something to the effect of, isn't it better that it's me? Because I feel like you could say, like, isn't it good that it's with, like, a friend? Isn't it nice that she's dating, like, someone who she's... A f- like, who who or, she has a friendship with? Don't say that at all, but say to me, like, hey, man, I fucking asked you if you wanted yeah. to date her, and then and I you, asked her if you wanted, if she wanted to date, and both of you said no, yeah. so guess so what? They're, they're, here I am, yeah. So I made my move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely agree that he comes off as a little bit skeezy, less skeezy than I remember, and I think that mostly comes down to the fact that he is, I guess, out of college. Yeah, And they're old. still seniors in high school. Uh, I mean, we don't really know how old Michael Angarano is, except that he has graduated and has had an art show, so, like, presumably out of college. I don't know. Maybe in college. Who could say? It also just reads this incredibly, like, it's, no matter what uh, intentions the writer had, it just reads this incredibly uh, bad choicey to be like, I'm gonna go backpacking in Europe with this guy that I just met. Yeah. Um... It's again, especially off the heels of like her mom marrying some guy she's known for three months and moving to Texas. Like these are just bad choices all around. Yeah, yeah. no, it does. Emma makes a series of bad choices toward the end of this yeah. movie. Um, I, I guess like one thing I would kind of say just to like bop back to her briefly is I kind of like the scene where I guess they have sex at the end. Her and do they have more, sex? I don't know. Maybe where um they there's a lot of smooching going on at least anyway. That's true. But she says something like. To the effect of like, like you know, like it's it's a long life, and maybe we'll be together at some point later on, like once we have our shit more figured out. Which I feel like is kind of maybe the most emotionally mature thing that she does in yeah. this movie yeah. to basically say that like we don't have. Of course, it's undone by the end where she like decides to not go with Michael Angarano <laughs> to Europe, and I guess I don't Hang know, out stay with somehow in New permanent. York despite mm-hmm. the fact that her mom's leaving. But um, so I I just think that it's kind of like an interesting. If they had left them in that way. I think I would have found the movie at least a little bit more interesting if it had not ended with them getting together and just her being like, well, you know, like, who knows what's going to happen? Like, I'll be back at some point. We'll we'll talk. Like, maybe we'll get together. If like, yeah. which, which I think is kind of like a mature thing to do when you're 18. But it is at an almost like adult level where it's like, yeah, as kids, well, maybe someday we'll be back together. What? I mean, I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind that it's coming from the mouths of kids in that point. I think, mm. I, again, like it would probably help more if you knew more of who Emma Roberts was as right. to, like, you know, as to how this informs her worldview. But I, I, I don't have an inherent issue with that. Um, who else would you want to go into? Like the adults in this movie? Sure, briefly. Like Rita Wilson as mommy. 
just an incredibly tolerant mother. Yeah, like under, Rita Wilson. Literally has the world on her shoulders. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing in this movie or how she got into this movie. I feel bad for her character. Her character is the one I have the most sympathy for. Same. Her life sounds like it really fucking sucks right now. You just have to imagine the fact that she is this 50-something-year-old woman who just found out that, like, she has no more money, she has no credit rating, she's going to have to sell her apartment. And, like, we're... like She's we're, now getting a divorce. Right, it's like she's getting a divorce. So it's like she has probably, like, no money saved up at this point. So it's you are going to be effectively like bankrupt looking for a new apartment to live in fun yeah so it's just like, like your life is gonna suck like I feel so bad for Rita Wilson in this movie yeah she's she's not gonna have an easy go of it for a while yeah second divorce too right I know right yeah. so that sucks too god you gonna go back on that merry-go-round again but you gotta get it's I don't know can you still get alimony from your first act? I don't know I think well because what they said what Emma Roberts has said is that the alimony payments will end once my mom gets married to this guy that she's moving to Texas for, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess, I, I don't know, like, are, is it just that, are you getting money that's ostensibly just for your kid? I don't know. I, don't I would imagine the child support is a thing, right? I, no, it is a thing. So, and I, he also, in, um, Freddie Highmore mentions that his dad is paying his tuition. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I would imagine that she's probably getting money to be used for their kid. Yeah. But probably not much beyond that. Yeah. So, that, I, I don't know. Her, her life is going to suck, basically, right now. Uh, and she has to deal with Freddie Highmore, too. So, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Who else do we got? Uh, I mean, like the teachers, right? The, the teaching staff. Good. Yeah, the art teacher Harris. I don't know the actor who plays him, but he's like this crusty older guy who seems to be like the one person who kind of realizes that Freddie Highmore is a little shit mm-hmm. and, and treats him as such. Yeah, and doesn't and calls really, him like, one. Yeah, right. And doesn't want him to like get away with it. Realizes also that like he has talents and is just you know like, them away. Right. You could be good at things, but like you never fucking do anything. You just sit here like being an insufferable little bastard, drawing pictures of me being punched in the face or doodling in your textbooks all day long. You have to like do something. Honestly, that's like. I think the teacher relationship I find most interesting in this movie I kind of wish the movie had done more with it because I, I just think it's sort of uh, you know like I the, the, the like the tough love teacher is sort of a trope that I always kind of like where it's like they're they're crusty and they're kind of a jerk but you can tell that they mean the best I liked um, I appreciated Alicia Silverstone just literally laying it out to him like I've repeatedly tried to support and invest time and energy in you, and you've repeatedly shown me how that was bullshit. Right. She says, like, you have a lot of potential. Um, I've, you know, like, you've wasted so much time in my class, I'm not going to waste any time defending you right now. totally fair. Which, like, yeah, no. And I think Alicia Silverstone gives me really good English teacher vibes in this movie. She feels so much like an English teacher in this movie. I would agree, and I, I felt very connected to it. Yeah. Blair Underwood is the principal. It's weird to me, like, they, they, have such, they have such a cozy, casual relationship. Yeah, two. they don't really explain how it got like that. No, I, like, I guess if I was to make assumptions, I would say something like, because he goes to the principal's office so often, it's, yeah. like, weirdly become a personal connection for him mm-hmm. in some sort of strange way. We, we like talk about this. We don't think it's possible to do an entire year's worth of homework assignments over three weeks. I don't think so. I wouldn't assign that to a kid and believe it would get done. I don't know. I just have to, like, uh, imagine it in my head as, like, it's not a true year of assignments. That's true. It's probably, like, like a best of a greatest hits yeah. sort of thing. Or, like or a selection. Like, right. Like, instead of doing, like, the worksheets that I would have assigned you every day, it's like, here is a, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here is, like, three pages. Do all them. Yeah. Or it's, like, hyperbolic, you know, that it's, like, all his homework is missing. Like, he done. Right. He just didn't yeah. do, like 
like some homework and that's the one he's gonna do I mean the thing that I would have made it a little bit more believable for me I guess is you see the scene of him talking to the art teacher where the art teacher basically says I just want one thing from you and I want you to do it well where maybe if you had more scenes of him talking to like Alicia Silverstone or whoever that other teacher was it would make more if sense if it was just sort of fine like I don't want you to do every single thing but like show me that you can commit and do something and like just do this one big project instead of doing a bunch of little things yeah. I, I, that also read as very realistic to me mm. because I mean teaching is about cutting all kinds of deals with your students <laughs> I don't know anything to say about like the direction of this movie like it's very blue it's fine kind of it's very blue. blue looking but otherwise I don't know yeah, there's not much... Nothing on the ordinary, not that I would call for anything. No, right. I don't think there's yeah. much of an aesthetic or a style to this. It's yeah. confidently shot, but... I mean, much like the movie itself, there's not a whole lot you can say. It's, it gets by. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it just gets by. What is this movie about? What are the themes that are at play here? Like, what are we supposed to break this down into? The art of getting by. Is it just kid learns how to be less of a slacker, I guess? Or kids just learns to like, do the shit so you can get go forward? Right. Like, is he actually committing to something? Thing, and I guess he's kind of coming to Emma Roberts, but I I, I don't know. And right? the homework thing, I guess, is a commitment. But, right. But then after that, what happens? Right. Like, is he actually committing to things, or is he just want to like be done with all of this? I don't know. Was there any note anything notable about the soundtrack? Not really. Just a bunch of angst, teen angst. I know? didn't. I don't think I remember or recognized any songs. I mean, in yeah, it I'm, I'm like not the person to go to for these sorts of things because I don't really know like pop music very well yeah but like I, I couldn't tell you anything. he's what's the one song he listens to like on a fucking loop in the scene where he's lying in, in bed for like five minutes of screen time he like he's playing one song on a loop and I don't remember it's it's something it's like a song it's sung by someone that I know but I couldn't tell you what the song was you know like it's like if you looked up the, the, the performer I'd be like oh yeah of course this guy but like I can't tell you off the top of my head who the fuck this guy is. Was it just very strummy? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It's or kind very, of folky sounding? I, I think it's... If you were a director in his late 30s and you what's, remembered... What's cool? Right, no, no, yeah. I think it was more like if you were a director in his late 30s and you were thinking, what would I listen to when I was an angsty teenager? It's probably that. And it's probably one of those things where, like, you know, teenagers are so quirky. They like right. old things. So, like, he can listen to this thing. Which yeah. does, I guess, come around to me. like, oh, isn't that convenient for the uh, almost middle-aged director to be like, well, of course teens are going to like the music well, things I, think, I like. I mean, so the weirdest thing is, I didn't look it up, but I think the director wasn't that old when he did this. This was like really? his first movie. And so I want to say he was probably like in his mid to late 30s. And I realized that obviously a lot of time has passed since you were in high school by that point still. And for in, in terms of being relevant, it might as well have been decades. It is weird that this was the work of someone who is so relatively young and still manages to miss the mark. And I mean, I guess at the end of the day, like if you're not good at doing it, you're not good at doing right, it. You know, it doesn't matter how I old get you are. I get what you're saying. It feels like it's more off the mark in like an old boomer way than yeah. just uh, in your mid thirties and you don't know from like current stuff anymore. Right. When, when did this movie come out? Eleven. I was like so 10 years ago yeah he's done like one other movie because I was just curious like what the fuck this guy's deal what was it? it's called All Nighter I had never heard of it before hmm. it stars J.K. Simmons and Emile Hirsch okay and the premise is that J.K. Simmons' daughter was dating Emile Hirsch and he hasn't heard from her in a while. and this is a comedy from what I can understand supposedly mm -hmm. and he hasn't heard from her in a while so like while he's on a business trip he drops by LA where she lives and 
like finds Emil Hirsch and Emil Hirsch is like actually we broke up several months ago I don't know where she is either and so it's like the two of them bonding over one night trying to track down his daughter which on paper sounds like a horrifying it concept does. where it sounds like is she what dead is she yeah. in a cult like what the hell like happened to her at least like a drama or a thriller right or maybe yeah. like a noir right it's not a very good movie because it also has like 30% on Rotten Tomatoes god what a weird concept for yeah I mean like honestly on paper I think that's an interesting kind of like I like the For idea comedy, I guess. right and I like the idea like I don't love the idea of the fact that it's where is my daughter whom I haven't <laughs> spoken to in months like because again like if I had a daughter I hadn't spoken to in months my brain would be like she's dead like right. something's happened with her but I kind of like the idea of somehow a dad and his daughter's mopey unappealing boyfriend bonding over the course of one night for some sort of reason. I do like that. Like, I think that's fine, but again, from everything I've heard about this, like, and this has a pretty good cast also, this, the, not, I mean, this this cast is good too, but um, All Nighter also has, I think, like, Taron Killam's in it too or something, which is like, it's got like, you know, talented people there, but it's not apparently a good movie and no one went to see it and this director has not done another movie since. Wow, so, so not a long career. No, he's in movie jail, I guess, right now. I mean, like, he'll probably, like, probably an episode of some shit for Netflix or something. Oh, or, or, or he'll get like a three picture your deal who knows yeah, that's true when you said he was in jail initially i thought like oh my god is that why the career got cut short like yes. <laughs> he got literally put in movie jail you can't even look him up on wikipedia no he doesn't have a wikipedia article he's really? so hard to find information yeah. on it. yeah he has to have an imdb page he right? has an IMDb. that's how i found it that's why i looked up to see like because i really was curious like did he ever do anything else at all and you know what like i guess no offense to him personally but if this is the level of work we're getting maybe that's for the better no and again i'm not saying like you know right i'm not you saying know? like it's a tragedy that, that this poor guy doesn't get to like do this anymore. Right. It's like, if you're not that good at it, then maybe you shouldn't Actually, do it anymore. I did have a thought. Before we jump into fixes, mm-hmm. let's compare this to the other... Just the just in general, the other teen movies we've done for the podcast. What where does it have fit we done? on the scale? So what other ones have we done? There's Naomi and Eli. Right. There's Dash and Lily. There's Prom. Prom. <laughs> does anyone remember Prom? I do. Okay. I do. I remember Rolo. I remember Rolo. I remember, I remember, um, I remember that, that blonde chick. I remember the, the bad boy who was not yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, blonde yeah. and the biker boy. That's right. I do remember them. Do you remember Eggs What the Heck with um, what Sharon else? Osbourne? What about Let It Snow? Oh, it's a boy-girl thing. Jesus fucking Christ. I haven't thought about that movie in years. What an ancient movie. Do you remember that? No, now I do. Like, it's all unlocked a door in my cranium now. Like, this entire movie has come streaming back into my consciousness. Eggs, what the heck? Didn't she work at a Greasy Spoon, too? Yeah, Yeah, I think that was it. Wasn't she, like, trying to kill her husband by, like, like, eating Greasy Spoon? Yeah, and you're like, why do you... How did you get here? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, there's the more fascinating story. Someone's mom is the more fascinating story. So, I don't know. Like, I guess in the scope of all of these, I would probably rate this pretty low actually like, yeah not necessarily for me i wouldn't necessarily rate it below naomi and eli just because like i do find that movie to be really really obnoxious oh yeah i mean look um, i fucking hated naomi and eli's no kiss list this is still worse i guess i would sooner watch naomi and eli's no kiss list again than I would watch in this it. movie it's just so boring right, no that's what i'm saying and like again naomi and eli not a good movie would still watch it again Instead of this, this you know, maybe like, I did at least still have that satisfying uh, whole scene of where like Bruce Two and Eli getting together. Yeah, there were little moments. Are that you I, an X Man? Yeah, yes, there were little moments in that that I thought were considerably more fun. Like there were fun moments in that movie, of which there are none moments in this one. None moments. Yes. What about Let Us Know though? What's it? Oh, Let Us Know. Let Us Know. New Rollo. 
Neurolo. I mean, Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Right? Cusack. How could anything that Joan um, Cusack could possibly cringy, yes, be that low? Cringy lesbian they, hijinks. Some, yeah, Doesn't right. Isn't when they ask her about the tinfoil? She's like, we don't, we're not yeah, going to no, yeah, she has, sorry, Oh, she's sorry. like, can I ask you about the tinfoil? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> I will not explain it. It's up there with... Um, what was it from the nice guys where he sees Nixon in the pool? No! <laughs> yes. That's just one way. It's such a simple line reading, but it's yeah. just so fucking funny. I was like, no! Yeah. No, that's... You will not win today, Nixon. Um, yeah, this, for my money, is probably, like, the... The, the worst. The nadir of teen movies that we have done. Yeah. You know? I you promise l- above this? Le- What's that? Promise above yeah, this? Yeah, because, like, at least... Wait, prom- girl thing is above this? Promise, like, I don't know, it's... Sugar, promise, right? Promise, dumb. Like it's just it's a dumb movie. Yeah. Like there's, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just a dumb movie. And at least it had Stick Hippo, the greatest band of all time. <laughs> forgot about Stick Hippo. How could you ever forget about Stick Hippo? Oh, and do you remember Rolo's very mature-looking Greek? That's girl. right. Like was like she lives in Canada yeah. and she's like thirty or something. And he, he goes at one point, oh yeah, there's a very large Greek community. That's right. In that's Canada. right. Oh yeah. God, Rolo. I'm so great. What a guy. Yeah. And oh. again, so like, how how can I how can I ding prom for giving me Rolo? True. You know? yeah. True. Art of getting back. Oh, also would um. Uh, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. No, The Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen is great. It's the greatest movie I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> no other movie gives us the floating head of George Bernard Shaw. Exactly. <laughs> Such an insane choice. <laughs> I forgot. It's honestly, it saves the whole movie for me. When I was rewatching In the Heights a week or so ago, all like the little visual flares that John Chu does during mm-hmm. 96,000 reminded me so much of like what the direction feels like it's trying to do in Confessions of a yes. Teenage Drama Queen, where you have like all those weird animated moments where you'll like cut to the weird scene where the dad gets hit by a pizza truck yes and he like they add a number for the toppings on the truck after yes. he with the van where it just feels like like that's like an inept version of what John M. Chu did so much better in In the Heights just like adding little like weird visual heightened moments one to my, a movie one of my favorites from Teenage Drama Queen 2 is the really cartoonishly long shadow being cast by the guy walking the dog yeah. around in New York City or yeah. also the, the party scene where all of these people within the shot appeared to all be frozen and then begin moving at once to camera. I don't remember any of this part. I remember some of I don't remember that part. I remember the the dad like lurking through the streets of New York in a detective jacket with uh, the dog. And it's like all shadowy. Yeah, yeah. because you're supposed to think he's a creeper or something, but it's just daddy, daddy and his dog. Lola and her Bindi. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, this is the worst. This, yeah, this, this is my low, I think, in terms of teen movies. Lee, you were right. I, I was yeah. not entirely sure about what my thoughts on this would be when I saw it again. You're right. Hated it then. I hate it now. I hate it. I didn't like this movie. No thanks. So actually, I hate it. Let's, let's, do, let's do fixes. Okay. All right. Who wants to go first? Anyone? I'll go first. Go first. My concept is pretty simple. I did not find this movie very inspiring. I felt it very hard to care about because the characters are annoying. But I was thinking that where I had the thought was, I think we can try to give ourselves the impression of this slacker. I want to zoom pretty much. Like, I want to begin at this, like, come to Jesus meeting with Blair Underwood and the teachers where they're like, here's your choice. Mm And then I want to do almost like a sliding doors thing from that point, <laughs> where we explore what would happen had he taken the expulsion, <laughs> okay. and we explore what would happen if he actually committed to doing that. All right, all right. And we get to see how these two divergent paths go, and like I think in one of the paths, the mom and the stepdad break up. I think in another one they don't. I just I feel like I would love to see how these decisions kind of like play off with each other, just because. 
I didn't really find anything else interesting about this movie. Um, I just, just make up your own thing that you find interesting. Basically, uh, well, because I did like this. I I don't know. I found it interesting that when this choice was presented to him. A, that this was being presented without his parents being there, which I thought was insane. Um, I thought it was nuts that he he gets to make the call about whether or not he's going to be expelled, which would never happen. But I just I would just want to know, like, okay, what is the, what are the actual stakes here? What would this actually change for you? And maybe there could be a version of this movie where there is the guy who doesn't change and one that actually does grow and, like, turn into a real person who cares about shit. Yeah. That would just be interesting to at least see the actual, like, growth version of the story play out. Okay. In comparison to the one where he just stays a flat what if, what if you did the one where he gets expelled and it actually works out better? Yeah, yeah maybe. Like, he gets into, like, an art school yeah. or something. Right, yeah, Mike Langerano's like, hey, I got an opening yeah. in my studio. You want to you <laughs> spend two hours painting some random and, crap? And that's the one where his parents break up, but when they, in the one where they, they don't break up, they uh, it develops, it d- devolves into, like, an abusive relationship. Yeah. And yeah, that's the one where he dies at the end, too, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, my God, he his death changed all of our lives to the better. You, can do, you will be found. You could do a real like so and so's D and D game thing where like and both choices lead to damnation. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. There's just no right answer. There is no right answer. I have to find a way to fucking. That that's, that truly is like the most George ending. The most nihilist sort For of. Like, yeah. Everything sucks. You you literally in this game could not leave anything in a situation where it, where it wouldn't inadvertently create an entirely new bad thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. Like I. Yeah. I. I think that's, I think maybe seeing the kind of George we get in this movie compared to a George we could have had could have been an interesting experience in a movie. Can I follow up? Because I feel like one of mine is vaguely similar to what you're doing there. So, okay. So I, instead, as I sometimes do, I have two different ideas that I was kind of kicking around because neither one, much like George, was something I could fully commit to. Uh, So (laughs) one is sort of the idea is like the one thing that I did find interesting, I think much like you did, Chris, is it's about a kid who is presented with an option by his school where it's like you can do an entire year's worth of homework in three weeks weeks or you will not graduate it's truly fantastical i know and i agree like that's a bonkers prim- like honestly like right when i heard that i was like that's your movie right there and so like if you wanted to do a movie that i think had a little bit more levity to it i think a way to do it would be to like you said open with him being delivered this ultimatum where they're like okay like look you've been coasting by this entire fucking year you haven't done shit you have three weeks to get everything done or you won't graduate and i think it wouldn't be so much an issue of like oh like will he take their deal or not it'll just be like okay guess i better get this done if i want to like you know, maybe he's already committed to some school and he like right. like he just has basically glorified senioritis. Which would also give it some stakes, by the way, right. because then you're like, oh, he is like he does want right. Something. There's like something beyond this that he has to get to. Right. Yeah. What if the entire movie took place in this three week period? And it's sort of like you explore what he's been doing that has prevented him from doing this, you can sort of explore the relationship. Maybe he gets to a point where, like, his friends help him with, like, mm-hmm. the three weeks worth of, like, you know, so you get to sort of explore, like, what his relationships are with these friends, like, what his relationship is with Emma Roberts, why should I want to help him? Maybe we, Michael Angarana's character helps him out with art. And, we, like, what we is, get to know other characters. Yeah, I know, like, we'll get to see what they're like. What a fucking concept, am I right? <laughs> and so if it's just sort of this conventional kind of high school teen movie about, like, you know, the pressures that are placed upon you to do this impossible thing in a three-week period and how your friend group can sort of help you come to terms with the world you live in, maybe help you realize that things aren't entirely bleak. You have a support system there for you. get over you. a small part of your bullshit. Right, like you can be less <laughs> of a little shit, perhaps. The other idea I had come up with was the one I had told you guys, basically. When I had said that uh, Michael and Grano has better chemistry with both the characters than mm-hmm. they have with each other, truly, what if it is just baby to mama tambien? 
where it's Freddie Highmore sort of discovering his sexuality at this point in his life. And he realizes that he's kind of, you know, he, he's been sort of into Emma Roberts this entire time. And they're probably not a couple, but he's been kind of vibing on her. And he might meets Michael Angarano and he has to come for a career. And he's like, oh, man, like, I am really kind of feeling this in a way that I can't quite figure out. And so, like, there's like a heady mix of does he want Michael or does he want to be Michael? Right. And it's just sort of like the three of them spend more time together. And the three of them start to realize like, oh, there are certain connections that we have with each other and we can explore that and like what does that mean for my identity you this know? also sort of sounds like a, a bit like baby the dreamers it does i was thinking also like jules and jim or something but like yeah right. sure like again a very dumb baby version of jules and jim <laughs> um, but yeah so it's just sort of like this idea of like you know maybe I, I don't quite know how i'd want it to end necessarily if you want them to stay as some sort of polyamorous triad they could <laughs> if they decide that maybe their lives point them in different directions i think they would also so I'll be it might be better perhaps if they were college students in this one too so you wouldn't yeah. deal with the awkwardness of Michael Angarano an adult coercing two 18 mm-hmm. year olds right. into a sexual relationship with him right. yeah. uh, so I, I think I, I might retroactively add that into it too sort of a, a scruffy throuple yeah yeah so it's just like you know young people sort of discovering what makes them tick I guess I guess it just depends if you want something with a little more comedy to it if you want something that sort of focuses I guess on something perhaps a little bit more real and authentic which is their sexual identities alright is it my turn it's yeah. your turn I think what I really want to focus on is uh, angsty teen, but angst has meaning and comes from a meaningful place. And so I don't really have like details for it, but just make the movie more about, you know, he's not doing his work. Why is he not doing his work? Have people actively care about that and like try to get to the root cause of it and have him actually work on it. And I think his reluctance to do anything about it is fine. But I think that should be like the plot of the movie is like getting him to, to care. Like all these... People, you know, that at first it would just be like the authority figures in the school and, and maybe his parents doing it and uh, just being like, you know, listen, like trying to find like some way to help him. And he's just like not willing to take any steps. Um, I kind of like the idea that maybe like Emma Roberts and Dustin are still in the movie. I don't forget her character's name. Sally or Sally, something. Sally, yeah. Um, and they're, it follows the path that you think a movie like this would follow and that this movie does in fact follow where like he just meets these people and they fix his issues for him actually <laughs> where like he he like latches on to these people that in the movie at various points uh, as like people who are going to like quote unquote fix him mm-hmm. um, by like dating him or like being a role model or whatever and then they both are uh, either their disappointments or a surprise you can't your problems aren't magically fixed right. I, like, I, like, I like think the latter word just that being like I'm sorry yeah. like, our, like our job is to make you better like what the right. fuck yeah I don't, I mean, I don't even think that it's like them pointing it out I think that it's like him discovering like oh this isn't other people won't fix me it's not helping yeah, yeah actually it doesn't help just to have like two friends and or someone that I date or whatever um, and I think that the homework problem is a metaphor for him not doing the work on himself mm-hmm. and so we keep that element but it's left as like a an accessible way to, to like for the audience to connect with like him just not willing to work on himself mm-hmm. and that's it that's all I got well, by the way as, okay. a, as a teacher a kid who just can't find the motivation to just do the gradual day by day work to like succeed and go ahead very relatable thing I think to yeah. a lot of people yeah I'm sure it is <laughs> alright well going back to what you had originally said Chris recommend oh, yeah. it would you uh, no. Yeah, it's a hard note I don't me. think so. No, it's a no. Yeah, I, I, will, I will never watch this movie this, again, and that's okay. It's not fun. No. Um, There's nothing I can take away from this. It's not interesting. Right. 
Um, I don't like anyone except yeah. for maybe Rita Wilson, who my heart just breaks. No, no, right? To. This poor woman who has to do with all this shit, who has to do with like this, this shitty second husband and her dumb, whiny, mopey baby. Um, one of the things more that... like Freddie High Less on her, right? Now. <laughs> oh yeah, Freddie Littlemore. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of Freddie High to Freddie Littlemore, this is a Freddie Littlemore. <laughs> I feel like this is a question we apply to a pretty good number of movies on this podcast, but um, I think one of the things that turns me off most about this movie is that it just doesn't seem aware of, A, how, like, cheap and facile its entire understanding of mental health, and particularly depression, is, and how it also doesn't seem to understand that, like... I don't know. I thought the, the movie seemed to legitimately believe that Michael Ancarano was, like, fine... I, again, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know what the movie thinks Michael Ingerano is. I really don't. Like, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I truly can't tell you what the perspective is supposed to be on his character. Yeah. And, like, I, I think know. you can read either one into it very easily. Yeah. I mean, this is just, like, like a particularly myopic college student making their first movie. Yes. Sort of, where it's just, much. like, you're you're reframing who you were in high school as, like, this really cool, sensitive, smartest person who no one else got, and you're better than all of them because you understand, like, what life is truly about, and it, they don't quite get it. And you're not a phony. Right, right. So it's just, like, there, there's... There's so many movies where you can walk we, that we do on here that you can walk away with something small that you like, whether it's a relationship or like a plot point or just like something little that would even maybe justify watching it. Like if there were two characters that had like an interesting relationship going on, not necessarily romantic, but even friendship or something like, mm -hmm. or just something you liked about a character even, I could be like, well, you know, maybe I'd watch this movie again sometime just because I liked them. No, I hate them all. They're all awful. Okay. I don't, I don't care. To, I don't care to be involved in any of these characters' lives ever again. No, you no. know, like no, I just you. simply don't. They're, they're all miserable. Yeah, no, they're all miserable and the one character I do feel sympathy for Rita Wilson's like her life is so sad and depressing right. I don't want to be reminded about how miserable her life is going to be after this movie you know I just don't well you heard it here first guys you heard it here first don't, see it. don't do it and it sucks yep this is a movie again that probably doesn't exist so you've never seen it anyway so uh, and, don't bother tracking it and this was a unanimous fail which I don't think happens a lot no, no. And I think we've all pretty much walked away being like definitely no like yeah. you know it's, there's nothing to recommend here nothing at all yeah. <laughs> well, facebook.com slash whywatchpodcast is our social media page. You can like us on there. Dratpack.com is our website where all of our episodes live and some other stuff. You can also rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. So smash that subscribe button. Give us five stars. Yeah. Come on five. Come at us with that five-o. Come at us with that five-o. Come on me with your five-o. Oh, ew. Bye. 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 <laughs> Traveling lady, stay a while until the night is over. I'm just a station on.